This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from September 4th, 2022. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed preaching it as we look at the book of Philemon. Hope to see you soon. God bless. This will be one of those Sundays that you can tell people that, man, my preacher read an entire book of the Bible uh, to start his sermon, uh, which is what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I'm going to read the book of Philemon with you this morning. If you'd like to follow along, it's found in your pew Bibles on page 202 in the New Testament section. Paul prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Very important to recognize that very first uh, recognition that it was in someone's home. Okay. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God, because I hear of your love for all of the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty. Yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm appealing to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but as more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he, was wrong, if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I'm writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Some might say that this is a suitable Labor Day kind of message. 
It's the work of divine grace to make unprofitable persons profitable. When apprehended by a sense that God's favor is being personally felt and known, that every person can be changed into something or someone whose life offers profit, you know, beneficial fruit to God and to others. So let me give you a little bit of background about Philemon. It's the smallest of all the letters. It's literally only 332 Greek words. For those of you that are in 8th and ninth grade, that's not even a five-paragraph essay. It's a letter that leads us into the middle of a difficult situation in the early church, one that I think kind of parallels with modern times. What's at issue is, how good are we at welcoming people into our communities after they've had a change of heart? Paul urges Philemon to receive Onesimus as no longer as a slave, but as a beloved brother. I mean, can you imagine the implications of this question, this statement? This would never have happened. I mean, think about it. Freeing Onesimus would have caused total chaos amongst the other slaves. He's asking him to free him because he has made a conversion experience. And you all know that at that time, if somebody figured that out, ooh, you could free me if I say I believe in Jesus, how many people would rush in and say, I believe in Jesus, you need to free me as well. I mean, we know our answer. All of us in here are extremely enlightened. None of us are judgmental or are keeping people at, at, at bay because of who they are or what they are. Or how they look or how they dress. None of us would ever look at someone differently. I'm saying that with a lot of sarcasm. In the first century, however, it would have been extremely scandalous. It would have been extremely bad. Onesimus's life would have been ended. And there would not have been any questions. So what does Paul do? He takes kind of the role as an attorney. I'm pleading on behalf of Onesimus that you grant him mercy. I want you to exonerate him of all of the things that have happened prior to this moment of conversion. I want you to change the way that you look at him from being a slave to a human being. What's remarkable is that Paul acts as if he were the runaway who had done wrong. In doing this, he parallels himself as almost like Jesus, like he does in Philippians chapter 2, which, like I said at the 815 service, coincidentally is our first understanding of hymns uh, in, the, in the all of understanding in Christendom. Philippians chapter 2 becomes the very first hymn. In that moment, he offers himself as a self-effacing 
self-emptying moment as an act of grace. Now you can't walk past this without recognizing that Onesimus' own name in Greek literally means profitable. I went a little ad nauseum about this in my Sunday school class about the fact that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of conversation that maybe Onesimus was part of the trades workers that may have been building marble statues near Ephesus or even participating in the construction of the Temple of Jupiter in Capernaum. But somehow, someway, his name literally means profitable. So it's this double entendre. It is the work of divine grace to make unprofitable people profitable. When apprehended by a sense that God's favor is being personally felt and known. Every single one of you in this room know what this looks like. We don't like to acknowledge it because it's uncomfortable. But we're thinking about those people that some way or another the world looks at as unprofitable. And I'm going to make you uncomfortable for a minute. It's the recovering drug addict that comes back home to church. We watched them grow up. We saw the things that they did. Maybe, maybe that recovering drug addict damaged your home. Maybe they peeled out in your front lawn and destroyed parts of it. Maybe they stole your lawn jockey. Maybe, just maybe, they stole from you. And somehow, someway, they had the audacity to go to rehab. And someone there, <clears throat> whether it was their counselor or maybe it was a minister that was working with them, introduces to them a higher power and they acknowledge it as God. And the only thing that they crave is walking back to the place that they went to vacation Bible school. That place that they heard about God for the very first time. That place that they called home and they knew they had run away from. How often do we welcome them with open arms like the prodigal son story? Or are we being honest with ourselves and we look at them and say, what is it that they want from us today? As we keep them at an arm's length. Addiction is a real thing. And yet, it is extremely hard to overcome without the support of strong, loving people. I think most of the time, human beings struggle with the idea of thinking that we're worth anything to God. <clears throat> we say to ourselves, Josh, or to God, uh, we, we do these things, but we really aren't worthy to do them. The things that we do, somebody else can do a better job than I can. Even though God has found something extremely beautiful in you. And you have found a place of comfort, whether it's here or with someone else. In that place, God has made you profitable. 
has found worth in you even when you don't see it. Paul writes this to request a favor of a friend. He could have used his authority to force Philemon to comply, but he wants Philemon to make this call freely. How often do we seek to get our own way and force our own authority upon others? I remember in the people that are my age that started growing up to church, went to church, we grew up in, I like to refer to the Scaria to Jesus movement. And it works so well that we have very few of them back in worship. We scared them into Jesus so much that they never wanted to walk back in the doors. Why did we do that? Because we had the authority to do it. We thought it was important to let them understand things that were beyond our comprehension but we're being preached to us that this is the only way to understand God. Do we simply ask people what's going on in their own lives? Or do we use authority or guilt or other forms of manipulation to get people to find a relationship in God? Paul could have done that. Instead, he asks Philemon to do it from his heart. In the same way that I feel like we should be doing with each other today. How often do you find yourself involved in a group that makes a particular decision about someone else? Are they worthy? Are they profitable or unprofitable? If you find yourself in that position, I hope for the love of God that you are asking for the wisdom to present your opinion well and the courage to allow others the freedom to decide for themselves. So we have to talk about this. First, there's the challenge of welcoming prodigals back to our community. We know that it, in, in almost every single case, those that are struggling with addiction and recovery without a strong support net network, guess what happens? 92% of them go back to drugs without a strong support network. 92%. In those places, we know that it's, it's almost impossible to change the mindset once it has affected the brain, but if we were there to be there for them, to allow them to see their worth, even when the world is not. Can you imagine how completely weird that would be? How life-changing that would make our small little community of faith? Come on in. We'd like the sinners and the saints. Come as you are, because that's the way God wants you. What kind of world would that look like? If we were going to be like Paul, asking Philemon to forgive and to move past Onesimus' debt to society.
God makes, I hate using this word, unprofitable people, profitable. Maybe we look at it as those that might not feel worthy need to feel as though God sees use and worth in them. Paul does a better job talking about this, and I tend to think it's one of Paul's students, but that's a conversation for my Sunday school class. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the student, that's how I'm saying it, kind of takes this opportunity that what we do is, is we provide the ministry of reconciliation and of hope to all people. I think reconciliation is a good churchy word for saying building bridges rather than digging a deeper moat. What would it look like if the church built bridges to those that seem to have not found their way home? Rather than trying to figure out and not talk to them. What would it look like if there were people that were talking about us on behalf of us like Paul does for Onesimus? Please give this person another chance. Whatever their debt is, I will take it. It's impossible to have this conversation without recognizing that Paul has a deep understanding of how Christ's life does that for us. That Christ's entire journey, the ones that we're supposed to mirror, right, as the ambassadors of Christ, that Christ never saw any of them, the people that walked with him, the people that he fed, even his 12 disciples, as anything different than a creation of God and loved them in the ways that God would love them outside the way that the world that he lived in would look at them. Do you see the difference? Jesus loved them unconditionally. The world created the conditions. I think it gives us some opportunity to dig deep in our discussions of Onesimus. Not in the aspect of profitable understandings as stocks and bonds, but that God has found worth and honor in you. You are to do the same to others in the same way that Paul did it for Onesimus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.